after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved, and the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy. But these who have no root, they believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> you can be seated. We'll just <clears throat> miss our school age kids. All right. If you haven't already, if you would open your Bible up to Luke chapter 8. It is our anniversary today, and I feel a little bit like... <clears throat> Like uh, like new moms on uh, Facebook who want to show you you know the you know they count down the actual days that their baby's been alive, or like grandparents who want to just show you all the pictures. A lot of you uh, are new or came somewhere along the way, and uh, some of this stuff doesn't matter to you at all, um, as far as the pictures we show and the things we learned. Other than the fact that it is a testimony to God's faithfulness. Um, God has done just, as Jason said, immeasurably more than we could even ask or think. And uh, I do want to brag on all that God's done through this faith family. I don't, however, want it to seem like I'm bragging on, uh, on us. That'd be a mistake. I don't want you to leave here to think, man, Covenant Church is a great and awesome church. Because if you hang with us long enough, you're going to discover um, that we're simply a community of the broken and the restored. I do want you to leave here thinking, man, what an awesome God in heaven that loves me. How incredible it is that we can come to him as his very own children. How he loves us more than we could imagine. I do want you to be thankful for this incredible faith family you have. Friends that help you be your very best, help you walk in the destiny that God has planned for you those that will pray with you and love you and help bear burdens, give sacrificially so that you could have. We started this year a couple weeks ago with this phrase, plant what you want to grow. And this comes from the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. Paul talked about it. Moses talked about it. David talked about it. Jesus talked about it. And in this Way of Jesus series that we've been in, I want to look at his words today in Luke chapter 8, but I'll give you the punchline before we ever get started. What does it mean to really be a Jesus follower? Is it the prayer you prayed? Is it what happened at a VBS 20, 30 years ago? Is it what you're currently doing in your religious activity? All those things may be good, but that's not the real definition. The punchline that Jesus is going to give us today in three separate parables that he's going to tell what does it look like to really be a Jesus follower? It's listening and obeying. Listening and obeying. I'll read just part of that passage for us today uh, that Sam just read in Luke chapter 8 and verse 5. This great crowd was gathering and people from town to town had came, come to him and he said in a parable that a sower went out to sow seed and as he sowed some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it, and some among the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some in the good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. 
And he said these things, and he called out, and this is what I want us to hear today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Skip down just a couple of verses into verse 15. Verse 16, sorry. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then, here's that phrase again, how you hear. For the one who has will be given, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. The parables end, and this is fade back to Jesus. Remember the crowd was gathering around him, verse 19. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those, here it is again, who hear the word of God and do it. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, as we have read your, your words, the authoritative and inspired scripture, Lord, would you make it come alive to us? Would you do that very thing today? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you expose the things in our hearts that need to change, the things in our minds that need to change? Some of us have come in here with a pretty false view of who you are. Would you remind us of who you are? It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Notice he didn't just say, he who has ears, let him hear. That probably would have been most of the people that had the ears. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Meaning, he who had a posture of the mind and heart to hear, to listen, to absorb, to soak in the words of Jesus. This doesn't speak of a necessarily a, a physical transaction that you speak and someone listens. This speaks of a more, more, uh, more inward transaction. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. To summarize the first few chapters of Luke up to this point, you see that Jesus didn't just come to bring forgiveness of your sins. Read the first eight chapters they're amazing he came to bring the kingdom of god and the kingdom of god i like to define it as god's sovereign activity in the world god's at work in lots of places through lots of people in lots of countries and many times it's god's sovereign activity in the world that's that's the kingdom of god god working to rescue men and women all over the world god working to restore justice all over the world god god working to heal marriages all, all over the world. God, God working, God's sovereign activity in the world. He didn't just come to forgive us of our sins. He came to bring the kingdom of God. As C.S. Lewis says, enemy occupied territory. That's what this world is. Christianity is a story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say it landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in this great campaign of sabotage. You know, I love that quote because it's, it frames up what's going on all around us. Jesus came to bring this new kingdom. The forgiveness of sins was just the beginning, just the foundation, just the start. The kingdom of God is nothing less than the power of God in heaven entering the world to heal every alienation, to restore all the brokenness in every dimension of human life. Jesus is doing that now in us and through us. And we see little glimpses of what Everything will be like, this is, the, this is where the world is headed to. This is what Jesus said he came to do. And we seeing, we're seeing little flashes of it now. One day we'll see it in full. So the question I think that we, we use to approach a text like this, and really just my heart for us as a, as a church, 
really this question, how do we enter the kingdom of God? Or how does the power of the kingdom enter us? Or maybe we should ask, how do, how do we know we're part of God's kingdom? This is really my prayer. Because if we resolve in our hearts to do this, to posture ourselves this way, if we posture our life where this is the most important thing, then no better strategy is needed. We, we can't out-strategize God. If we would posture our heart to listen and obey. The kingdom of God, God's sovereign activity in the world comes through listening. This is so counterculture, isn't it? It makes no sense except that it's supernatural. The kingdoms of the world, they come through forcing their power on other people, forcing people to listen. As a student of history, you go back and Alexander the Great didn't come and give you an eloquent speech of why you should be a part of his kingdom. No, he came, he came with force. The, the Roman occupation moved forward by sending soldiers out in force, forcing people to listen. They come, the kingdoms of the world, the leaders of the world, they come talking loudly, forcing their ways or their ideas on others. The strongest leaders in the world are known not for their listening, but for their speaking, for their power. But the secret to the kingdom of God or even entrance into the kingdom of God or participation in God's sovereign activity in the world comes through listening. To describe this great and coming kingdom, Jesus compares it to a seed. The kingdom of God is like a seed. Not a volcano or Category 5 hurricane. Not some other astronomic event. No, he says it comes like a seed. Nothing more seemingly weak than a seed. Christianity seems to many as this crazy mixed up message that a king came from heaven and he triumphed by being tortured and killed and his followers now lose themselves to find themselves that they know that the way up is down and the first is last and last is first that the way to be rich is to give everything away that the way to grow into Christ's likeness is through suffering so that we learn dependence pastor how's how's that going to change my life because the kingdom of God comes like a seed through hearing and responding to God's truth. The seed is the word of God, Jesus says here, of the seed that's cast by the sower. Be careful how you hear. This kingdom moves forward on the basis of listening and responding to the truth of God's word. It's like a seed, not a boulder. The boulder smashes the ground and makes a dent, but the seed comes unnoticed and takes root. The boulder breaks the ground externally, but the seed transforms the landscape internally first, growing a deep root system, and then externally. The kingdom of God comes by hearing the word of God and allowing it to penetrate your heart. He says in verse 15, the fourth soil, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, I love this, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. They don't let it just pass through their, 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 their ears. They hear it and they hold on to it and they allow it to work in and through every part of their life. With patience. Don't force it. You're not the gardener. The best that you can do is let the gardener have full reign. Every corner of your heart submitted to him. This is the yielded yes that we've been talking about for several weeks now. This is the ingredient for real change, real transformation. The word of God is the standard, the absolute or unchanging truth. We hear, listen to it. Then we hold fast to it. We hold securely onto it. You know the best way to securely hold on to the word of God is to write it down and to memorize it. This is why I'm such a fan of taking notes. Every time I listen to someone speak on the word of God, I'm jotting some things down because I won't remember it when I leave. And I want to hold fast to it. 
as it says. I, I, I want my life to produce fruit, mature fruit, uh, as, as much as my life possibly can. I want to live a life of consequence. And so I've got, I've, got to, I've got to hold on to it, hold securely to it. I've got to write it down and apply it and go over it. And then you, you, you hold it fast in a good heart. That just means a transformed heart, not, not the heart of stone, but the heart of flesh that comes after regeneration, after you've stepped across the line of faith and you've given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. He gives you a new heart, a fleshly heart, a heart that beats. Honest. He says, just means true, not, no more pretending, just an honest and true heart before him. And then he's the one that brings the fruit. I love this. We can't do anything to bring the fruit. He brings the fruit. Oh, and, and <laughs> I love that he adds this, with patience. You ever not been where you wanted to be? You ever gotten frustrated with yourself because you're still dealing with some of the same things you struggled with months ago, years ago? Bear fruit with patience. And zooming back out, the next story, well, we're going to skip over the lamp when we'll come back to that. In verse 19, his family comes to see him, which would have been normal. Jesus is getting pretty famous, and he's actually saying some things that's upset some people. This is also in some of the other Gospels. And uh, commentators think they came for the reason to scold him for some of the things that he was actually saying. You're going you're gonna to get us you're going to get us killed, Jesus. You done lost your mind, bro. And so there they are outside and passing words through the crowd. And someone tells Jesus, hey, your, your, your mom and your, and your brothers are outside. They want to see you. And he answered them, my brother, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And Jesus wasn't being rude. He wasn't stiff arming his mom there. He was just defining who his family really was meaning you didn't have to have physical kinship to be part of his family. The kingdom is much larger than that. Again, comes back to one of Luke's themes that the gospel is the hope for all people. Well, how do you know if you're in God's family? Well, he answers it here. You know that you're in God's family, therefore you have the good soil if the practice of your life is hearing the word of God and doing it. It's also interesting that knowing and doing the will of God actually brings you closer to him. In our culture, we, we worship mostly with our minds. and We might give someone the advice that the way you get close to God is to read the Bible and pray. And that's not necessarily bad advice, but it is incomplete advice. Because there was a lot of people who heard it. There's been millions of people who've read it. But very few are those that do it. Then in verse 16, this idea, this light on a stand. As useless as a light under a mattress is a man who hears the word of God, is a woman who hears the word of God, is a teenager who, who hears the word of God, but doesn't apply it. Many hear, but few listen. And as a result, you miss the voice of God and the truth of the message that is proclaimed. He says in verse 18, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. Understanding. To the one who has understanding of what God's word says, and they're acting upon it in obedience. To the one who has understanding and living in obedience, he's given actually more. More will be given. But from the one who has not, the one who has heard the word of God but did not apply it, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This was the great exodus we saw in 2020. As people could not gather together and hear the word of God proclaimed, even though they weren't necessarily bent on actually doing it, they just remove themselves from an environment where the word of God was taught regularly and there was accountability with other believers and they isolated unto themselves. And they weren't in God's word and we learned to cope by binging a million hours of streaming content. 
moving ourselves further and further and further away from hearing and applying the word of God. And many of those people I love, many of those people that helped us get to this place are now, as Ephesians says, they're just kind of out there floating, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. From the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. The one who listens and applies, he receives more understanding, more awakening, more revelation. Light begets light. And God shows us a little light and we take a step of faith and he shows us a little more. This is how God has worked with everyone. Go all the way back to the Old Testament. So I worked with Abraham. Introduced himself to Abraham. Abraham didn't know him. Hey, Abraham, I'm God. I made everything. As a matter of fact, his, 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 his very name, Abram, when he met him, meant that he was this great father of many nations. And yet he didn't have a child. And I love it that God calls him and says, hey, Abraham, I want you to, I want you to go to a place that I'm preparing. And Abraham, oh, this is great. Lord, where is it? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that. I just want you to go. And as Abraham took a step of faith, God showed him the next step. Now, I want to be the person that understands the destination before I start the journey. That's really important to me. I want to have several map apps open, and I want to look at Waze, and I want to look at Apple, and I want to look at Google, and I want to see where they're sending us and where the good places to eat, and I want to make really good time. If we miss an exit, even if it was the best food in the world, I am not turning this thing around. We, are, we, will, eat, we will eat gas station pizza, and we're just going to keep going, right? I want to know the destination. I want to know where it's at. I, I, love, I love Google Maps. I can actually look at the street view to know, oh, that's the driveway I turn into. I want to know the end. But God does not work that way. Absolutely. He, he doesn't even let you see the end. He just tells you it's going to be far more glorious than you could ever think or expect. Now I just want you to follow me. This culture of adoption that Jason mentioned, such a scary thing. I bet we've had a dozen or more families step out in this and had to raise. It's not cheap. 30, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars and can you imagine them hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit on a Sunday just like this one? And he's kind of nudging and nudging and nudging. And you've got all the reasons why you can't do that. Well, we've, we've already got this and $50,000. I, I can't even pay my target credit card bill off. What are you talking about? $50,000. How in the world are we going to do that? And then so many questions. And are we going to be able to do this? And what's this going to happen to our kids? And I, I mean, we're barely, you know, we're barely coming up for air now. I couldn't imagine bringing in another child with a trauma or whatever that they might be dealing with. And so, and so we say no because we don't see how it's humanly possible. And we miss out on everything that God wants to do. And as a matter of fact, when we say no to the Holy Spirit, instead of taking a step into the light, we take a step back into the darkness. We say, no, 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 Lord, I'm not, not going to give that, share that, do that. I'm not going to do that. Look at all the reasons why I'm unqualified to do that. You know, God didn't call Abraham because he was the most fertile man. He had no kids. As a matter of fact, this is who God picks. He picks the people who could never boast or glory in themselves. Those that had every excuse in the book to say, there's no way I'm doing that. God, you, no, you chose the wrong person. That's what Gideon told God. He told the angels that Gideon, I mean, this this guy, he couldn't even pass his white belt. This is Gideon. He, he was just, he was not a warrior. He was probably inside making crafts. And God's angel says, hey, Gideon, hey, buddy, uh, I want you to go and defeat this army. <laughs> he even said, you got the right person? A lot of people get this address mixed up with the one down the road. A lot of people do that. Just go on around. He's the, he's the strong, buff black belt. That's who you need to go see. He's ready to do it. And remember what God does to Gideon? He just removes every crutch. Oh, too many warriors. Oh, too many weapons. God wasn't about Gideon's strength. He was about his own strength. Gideon was just the vessel who stepped into the light. Gideon was just the vessel who said, okay, even trembling. Lord, I'm going to need a sign. Lord, I'm going to need another sign. The one who listens and applies receives more understanding, more awakening, more revelation. 
He chose Mary to bring the very Savior of the world into the world. A teenager with no bank account. Just the smallest of the small. God looks all over time and space and he says, that's the one. Why? Because she had a fully surrendered heart. The one who doesn't listen and apply loses what understanding they think they once had. Careful hearing results in greater understanding of God's revealed word. Careless hearing results in the loss of what we've, of what has been heard. If we don't listen to the Bible with an obedient and surrendered heart, it's as much use to us as lighting a lamp and sticking it under a mattress. It's not only useless, it's destructive. The lamps that they were talking about were little oil lamps. Who lights an oil lamp and sticks it under their mattress that's made out of leaves and sticks? That's just going to blow the whole thing up. Jesus is using such a ridiculous illustration to be like, okay, no one would ever do that. That's about as much use as a man who hears the word of God and doesn't practice it. Be faithful with what you've been entrusted and you will see it grow exponentially in your life. Be careless with what you have and see what has been entrusted to you taken away. And he's not necessarily talking about stuff. I'm sure it applies. It's stewardship principle. He's talking about understanding and obedience. No one, after lighting a lamp in verse 16, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. No, he puts it on the stand so that those who enter may see the light. Friends, the light inside of you is not just for you. That's why it goes on the stand. So that everyone that comes in contact with you in business and play, in your neighborhoods, on the walks, in business deals, in friendships, that everyone that comes around you actually gets closer to the kingdom because you're the one that's shining the light. Does that make sense? This is what God wants to do. This is why the light of the world inside of you is not put under a jar or under a mattress that it's actually put on a stand. Not only does the light on the stand benefit you, but all those around you. Friends, you carry the kingdom of God with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. This week I went to New Orleans to visit our church planters down there and God is just doing such a cool thing in there and I hope to plant I hope we can help plant 10 churches in New Orleans in the next 10 years. We already got 3. We got two that are forming. We got a third that's kind of on the horizon. We got a fourth that's maybe a thing happening. God's doing this really cool thing. But I was staying in a little Hilton Garden Inn and one morning, me and the buddy I was with, another pastor, trying to bring on more people to kind of help, more partners to help, to put money in, to make trips down there to help us, because we can't do this by ourselves. And so we're sitting there, and this lady is waiting on us. Her name's Rosa. And you know, it's amazing how people just want you to slow down and ask them about themselves. She's got pretty Brooklyn English. She's been here for 20 years. She came as a uh, foreign exchange student from Guatemala. And then she came back and she's a permanent resident. She lives in New Orleans. So I'm asking her about where she's from and where she's talking. And then everyone needs to kind of know their like evangelism pitch. And I'm not, not in a corny manufactured way, just, just some way to turn the corner. And I ask Rosa, this is what I do. This is my pitch. I just say, Hey Rosa, are you a, are you a woman of faith? Do you believe there's a God out there that loves you and cares for you? And immediately she starts telling me about her upbringing. Rosa, she's Catholic. She was raised in a Catholic school in Guatemala. And when she came over to the state, she got put in a Christian home. And then for the next six, seven years of her life, she was in a Christian home. And she would attend church. And then I said, well, Rosa, what, what about now? Oh, no, 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 she says. I know, I know God's angry with me. I have not gone back. I started weeping at the table. I said, Rosa, God is not angry with you. He loves you. He wants you to come back home. He's got bigger and greater plans for your life than you could ever think. 
and over a pretty average hotel breakfast. Rosa leaves. I close everything up. I'm about to leave and Rosa comes back and catches me and my buddy. She writes her name down and her phone number and where she lives. She said, you have some friends here that lead a church. Will you, could they call me? And she asked if we could pray for her. So right there in the middle of Hilton Garden Inn, the kingdom of heaven is entering. And if I be honest with you, I don't do that to brag on myself. I miss more opportunities than I take. Most of the opportunities I take are the ones where I'm out of town. And you know why that is? I've just been reflecting on that in my own life because I'm not in a hurry. When I'm here, I'm in a hurry. There's a lot of roses here. They're all over the place. But when I'm here, I'm on a mission. I'm trying to be efficient. And I've got to make that meeting because I've got a meeting right after that. And I've got a meeting right after that. And I miss the kingdom of God. Friends, the kingdom of God at work in you through your job. You, you think you got this job to be a teacher. Yeah, be the best teacher you can. But God has not sent you there to be a teacher. He sent you there to be a witness for him, to be, to be a light on a stand. Well, you know, they tell us that we can't share in this. And, you know, there's some wisdom. But we serve a God who's greater than anyone's policies or rules. Just follow him. I was so moved a couple weeks ago, that issue with DeMar Hamlin. Have you seen that? DeMar Hamlin was the player for the Buffalo Bills that had the heart attack on the field. and All these grown men that we idolize are weeping. And right after, everyone's just calling everyone, the whole country, we got to pray, we got to pray, we got to pray. Did you see the guy on ESPN, Dan Orlovsky, who just prayed? Anybody see that? He just prayed. They're all talking about praying. And he said, you know what? We keep talking about praying. I'm, I'm just going to pray. And he did. He called heaven down. And he connected the kingdom of God in the midst of a studio of ESPN. And as a matter of fact, we see the kingdom of God begin to expand. Because the next day, Nick Wright, who hosts his own podcast, he gets on there. He's saying, you know what? I've seen my buddies and my wife. And I, I've seen the people even on this thing. And Dan yesterday, I've seen them begin to pray. And you know what I've realized? I have no foundation in my life for something like that. Everything's fine when things are fine. But when, when something happens like that, something unexplainable that, that we can't wrap, I don't even know what to do. I've got, I've got no foundation. It's the kingdom of God. We have no idea where this will go. I thank God for someone like Dan, who in jeopardy of losing his job, says, hey, why don't we just pray? The kingdom of God at work through you and your job and your neighborhoods at your kids' soccer games or baseball games or whatever, God wanting to work. You think you're there to play soccer, watch soccer. It's so much bigger than that. God is saying, if you'll give me your whole heart, I will do more on your soccer team, on your baseball team, through your PT. I'll do, I'll do more in your neighborhood than you could even ask or think. This is why just that the kingdom of God is just not about just your forgiveness of sins. It's about God redeeming and restoring all of life and him wanting to do it through you. <clears throat> Growing up, did, you, did, your, did your mama ever have to tell you more than once to do something? Progressively getting louder, a little louder, a little louder. Oh, she used the middle name. It's getting real serious. Luke Powell Allen. <clears throat> and then God forbid <clears throat> if my dad overheard mom telling me again, because he didn't tell you twice. He told you once, and then there was a belt. That's how, that's how it worked. Really, he who had ears, let him hear. We heard really well, well from dad. I think it's unique that Jesus tells us this so many times in just this short little chapter. He wanted to make sure we got it. The kingdom of God doesn't come just through walking an aisle and saying some kind of prayer like an incantation. No, it comes when we give our lives to him. It comes through hearing and obeying. I'm going to jump back to that passage with the tops of soils and, and we'll be done. Just a few minutes. <clears throat> Jesus explained all the things working against us hearing and obeying. 
You see the four types of soil? Now the parable is this. This is him explaining it to his disciples. The seed is the word of God. And the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. The first group is the seed that fell along the path. He said some seed fell along the path. They heard the word. This is not being over spiritual, but the enemy, the devil, is at work right now as this sermon is being delivered. That he's working to take any bits of truth that might be seed of God's word, that might be planted close to your heart, and he just wants to get it away. He did no roots. Let me just come and distract them. Let me let some illustration the pastor uses distract them. Let it unlock some kind of trauma in their past. Let it, let, let it connect to something else. And then we're, we're off chasing this, this rabbit. We've not, we've not heard the word of God. And this is the enemy at work. <clears throat> this reminds us that Satan is at work during the teaching and preaching of the word of God. Satan seems to believe in the power of God's word more than many of us do. He knows that when it's taught and preached, he needs to get busy fighting against it. Jesus said not only does he fight against it, but he's actually successful. He actually does steal or rob the word of God from a person. In this regard, the devil does have some power. He sees, he comes, he conquers. And if it weren't for the opposing work of the Holy Spirit, nothing would happen when the word is preached. You know why, friends, this is why, this is why we get here early and we pray at 845. And I invite you all to come. I mean, if you all came, we wouldn't have room, but I invite you all to come. We'll make room. We'll move it in here. You know what we're praying for? This very thing, that the word of God, when it's taught to your kids back there, when the word of God, when it's taught to your teenagers, when the word of God, when it's taught in here, when we sing about it, when we brag on all that God's done, when the word of God goes forth, that the enemy would not come in and steal it, but it would, it would, find, a, it would, find, it would find good soil and make a difference in a person's life. There's no work that we have against the enemy doing that very thing other than prayer. That's our tool. Jesus says, he that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. And yes, he that's in the world has a plan to steal the word of God out of your heart. He absolutely does. But he that's in you has a greater plan. And that's why we try to cultivate an environment or an atmosphere where we could hear God's word. Some fell along the path. Some fell on the rock. These are the people that heard it. They received it with joy. but they have no root. When things get difficult, they fall away. It says in verse 13, the ones on the rock who hear the word of God receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, fall away. They had good seed. They had a warm environment. They had a joyful reception. They received it eagerly. None of those things were the problem. They failed because they lacked the moisture, verse 6 says. Because they didn't have the moisture, they had no root to endure in the time of temptation. Friends, I just want you to hear the heart behind all the things. The marriage thing next week, the DGs that we have, the... MCs, all the environments. We're not doing that because at Sunday afternoon, we can't wait to leave the comfort of our couch and go do life with other messy people. That's not the point. It's really not that glamorous. You know why we do it? Because that's what grows the roots. That's the moisture on top of the soil. When you and other people, the fellowship heart, fellowship of the broken, that we, we get together and we encourage each other or we're encouraged. We remind them of the gospel. They remind us of the gospel. We pray for them and they pray for us. We have Christian fellowship. We encourage one another. We bear one another's burdens. That's the moisture on the word, on the seed of the word of God that allows it to actually develop deep roots. Then the third group <clears throat> is those that fell among the thorns. They hear it but their fruit never matures. As for those that fell among the thorns in verse 14, they're those that hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Their fruit does not mature. 
I believe these are believers. These are real Christians. They're just immature Christians. Their fruit never matures. They hear it. Their fruit never matures because it's choked out. Jesus actually tells us what it's choked out by. It's choked out by the cares of this life. Riches, or maybe we should say the pursuit of riches, and the pleasure of life. The cares of this life, I, I can't trust what God's word says because I care more about this thing than I do that thing. I care more about doing this this weekend than I do about posturing myself under the word of God. I, I, I got a thing to do, so I can't make it to this more important thing. It's not this, you're forsaking your faith so that you can follow after the devil. No, 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 he... He just, wants to, he just wants to choke it out. He wants to choke out the expectancy and desire for God to move. He wants to make you too busy to actually follow through with obedience. The cares of this life. We idolize this life. And Jesus is saying, we, your focus is so much of it's on the wrong thing. It would be like someone's son going off to the war and they're they're fighting this great war over there and then you get a call that they're coming home and you're so excited and you're, you haven't <clears throat> seen your son in several years and your son comes through the front door and you're in the back bedroom trying to fix this remote trying to reprogram the remote and everybody's coming hey mom bubba's here <laughs> let's let's go see him he's here he's back from war and i'll be there in just a little bit i gotta get this remote programmed it's my favorite show's coming on but mom we can we can do the remote later let's let's he's here and he's just got a short while. He's just stopped in. He's fixing to just fly back out. You got, got to come see him. And the time vanishes and she never sees her son because she focused on the remote. How ridiculous would that be? That's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God's at work around you. And you don't see it because you're focused on the politics or on the whatever else you're chasing after. Or riches, the pursuit of riches. That people are convinced that they, what's really going to fill them is just more money, more status. Satisfaction will only come on the next rung of the ladder. We could just go into this. We live in such a materialistic society. How many of us forego cultivating a real relationship and walk with God because we want to get more money? We probably would never admit that. Then finally, the pleasures of life. These are those people who think that real satisfaction and meaning only come through their next experience, their next trip, or this comfort they long for. They chase temporary pleasure and they miss eternal satisfaction. I think the three things that really grip the hearts of our city is a heart of apathy. We get full on the blessings of God and we miss God himself. The greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. The most deadly appetites are not for evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. As I was reading and studying this week, repenting of my own self, my greatest besetting sin is the poor utilization of time, spending hours and hours consuming digital media, when in that time I could have taken the seed, responded in obedience. I could have taken the seed and planted it in someone else's life. And media's getting so good at it. We're not watching the Andy Griffith show anymore, where there's a setting and a little rising action and then conflicts that's brought to resolution all in 22 minutes. No, 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 no. These shows have hired psychologists and with their smart TVs, they watch what your eye is actually watching so that they can produce all this data so that they can just make you attached at the very end and watch another show and another show and another show and another show. And I'm not saying the shows are bad. I'm just saying how much, how many hours and hours and hours have we consumed all these things and yet we read three or four verses and we spend five minutes in prayer. And we're like, God, why is, not, why is the kingdom of God not at work through my life? Because you plant what you want to grow. 
It's apathy. It's bitterness. Someone offended us and we never did anything about it and we let that wound fester. And that offense turned into bitterness, like poisoning the soil. There's a lot of it. Then there's a divided heart that we want the pleasures of the world and we want the kingdom of God. What does James say? You adulterous people. Don't you know with friendship with the world is like hatred towards God? Then there's the hopeful. This is the good soil. I told the Lord this was going to be a little heavy for like anniversary Sunday. I was like, come on, Lord, give me just a, a good psalm. Let's. Some fell on good soil. As for those that are in the good soil, they're those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Produced a hundredfold. Friends, this is it. This is the ballgame. A heart that is fertile, a heart that is ready, a heart that's expectant, a heart that is watered. This type of heart hears the word and it produces <clears throat> exponential fruit. Friends, there's so much that God wants to do in and through your life. If only your heart was ready for it. The best thing that we could do is get our heart ready for God to work in and through it. That's the best thing we could do. This is what we really need as a church. We need more kids volunteers, absolutely. But more volunteers is not the most important thing. We, we need a church property. It'd be amazing. If any of you got two million and want to drop it, we can, we can just do it. We don't have to worry with anything else. We can just do it. But a building is not the most important thing. You know what the most important thing is? That your heart is living in health and wonder and expectancy and obedience. God wants to fill you with glory and power and blessing more than you could even comprehend. Literally, he wants to do more than you can imagine. He wants to do more in you and through you than you could even ask or fathom to think. He's literally just looking for people whose hearts are truly his. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Where are they? God says, those are the people I want to pour out my power on. I want to strengthen what they're doing. Not the half-hearted, but those whose hearts are truly his. Friends, you get enough people like that in a church, they'll change the city. Not because of strategy or buildings or campaigns. It's because their hearts will be truly his. You get a group of people whose hearts are truly his, that see the strength and power and blessing poured through them and then out through them, that'll change a city. That'll change a nation. As a matter of fact, if you look back, every great revival that has ever happened started with a group of three or four, sometimes two, mostly young people, mostly teenagers, who still weren't so jaded. They still believed that God could do what he said he would do. And they started meeting lunchtime during prayer to pray. Lunchtime at school, they would meet to pray. Or before school, early, they would get there to pray. And they would just cry out to God, God, would you do it? Would you do in our day what we've read about, what we've seen, what we've heard about? Would you do that in our day? And it changed the world. I'm going to invite the band up, and I just want you to pray right where you're at. <clears throat> We're not doing communion today. You all have a connection card. Our response is looking at that worship response card. <clears throat> it says on the back, in light of God's truth, my next step is what? Basically, what are you hearing from the Lord and what are you going to do about it? And we're not going to come track you down. We just want to pray for you. And I want you to spend the next little bit just thinking through what that is. Would you ask God to search your heart this morning? Where is he leading you? There's some apathy in there or bitterness, maybe a divided heart, maybe sin. 
the cares of this life, the riches around you, the pleasures of life. I just want us to posture ourselves so that we can hear from God today. As the Holy Spirit begins to work around this room and in your own heart, some of you already know what it is. Some of you heard the voice of God a while back and you just never followed through in obedience because you were fearful. The voice of the enemy was louder than the voice of God. And I just want to invite you today to say yes to what he's saying. There's a coworker he's leading you to share your faith with. or There's some forgiveness that needs to happen and 90% of it's the other person's fault. But you refuse to own your 10%. You refuse to reconcile that relationship, even though we are reconcilers at heart. You refuse to follow him in that. I just want to posture our hearts. Lord, Lord, what are you saying to us? Is there sin that needs to be confessed? Is there repentance that needs to happen? Is it? Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The band's going to lead us. I invite the prayer team to be back there. You take as much time as you need. Grab the hand of a spouse or kid if you'd like to. But just ask God. It's a dangerous prayer. God, would you search my heart? Search my heart. And you do what the Lord lays on your heart to do. I'll be in the back to pray. Do what God's leading you to do.